If God is for us, who can be against us? Is what we hear from St. Paul in our second reading from the Corinthians. Given the situation in the first reading, Abraham would probably reply, if God is for us, he sure has a strange way of showing it. This first reading has troubled people for generations, and the temptation to the preacher is just to skip over it. It just sounds awful, God commanding Abraham to kill his son. Some scholars have focused on the end result. God sends an angel to stay the hand of Abraham, and the passage is viewed as an instruction to the people of Israel that child sacrifice, practiced by some of the neighboring tribes, has no place in the worship of the God of Israel. I think this passage is more than a prohibition against child sacrifice. I think it contains a message for everyone here this morning. But to get that message, we first need to review the life of Abraham. The Bible first speaks of Abraham when he was 75 years old, living in the land of Ur. God said to him, Go forth from the land of your kinsfolk to a land I will show you. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Now, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, are prosperous in material possessions, but they have no children. And for people of that time and place who did not yet have a belief in an afterlife, a man's only hope for immortality was his name living on after his death through his offspring. And numerous offspring were highly desired. The more, the better. It was seen as a great blessing. Abraham and Sarah were very interested in God's promise of descendants as numerous as the stars. They do as God had directed, packed up all their belongings, and moved to a distant land. And still they had no children. But then one day, three strangers come to visit them. Abraham and Sarah show them gracious hospitality, and as the strangers leave, they promise that before the year passes, Sarah will have a son. Sarah laughs at this crazy talk. She knows how old she and her husband are. But sure enough, Sarah does have a son whom they name Isaac, meaning laughing boy. And all is well, and they are on their way to descendants as numerous as the stars. That is, until Isaac is 12 years old, and we hear the words from our first reading, Then God said, Take your son Isaac, your only one, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height I will point out to you. God's promise of descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky seems to have fallen into a black hole. Abraham is put to the test. It is important that we understand the nature of this test. It is to test whether Abraham believes that God is trustworthy. Does God keep his promises? Does Abraham believe that Isaac is God's promise of future generations? If Abraham truly believes in God's promise to him, 
then he knows with utter conviction God will provide. Now it takes them seven days to get to the place of sacrifice, the seven longest, most agonizing days of Abraham's life. On the third day, Isaac asked him, Here are the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the Holocaust? Talk about tough questions kids ask their parents. How does anyone respond to a question like that? With a lump in his throat, Abraham replies, Son, God himself will provide the sheep for the Holocaust. And we know from hearing the rest of the story that God does provide. He stays the trembling, knife-wielding hand of Abraham and provides a substitute sacrifice, a ram caught in a nearby thicket. In the face of losing what was most precious in his life, Abraham trusted in God's promise to him. Abraham knew beyond understanding that God would find a way to bring life even in a scenario of death. Abraham trusted that God would provide. We speak of Abraham as our father in faith, and in this climatic moment in his life, he embodies the ultimate act of faith all of us must make. We all face the inevitability of letting go of what is most precious in our life, our most beloved person, task, accomplishment, joy, everything dear to us, everything given to us by God is subject to death, its own and our own. Sometimes we respond to loss by clinging tightly, both fists clenched. We refuse to let go. And sometimes we respond like Abraham, trusting that somehow God will provide. When we lose something very precious to us, a loved one through death or divorce, a job, our health, God will provide. Like Abraham, we never know for sure how God will provide. It may be in a way very different than what we expected. But like Abraham, our father in faith, when we are faced with the trials that test our faith, may we trust in God's promise. God will be there for us. God will provide. If God is for us, who can be against? <laughs>